0: Avengers Welcome back everyone to another episode of Talking Smack where we talk superheroes, movies, animation and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is Alex, who remembered to take a drink before we started recording. Alex, how are you doing?
1: I need my coffee. It's late. It's so late (laughs) for me.
0: (laughs) It it is very late. I am usually in bed by like 8, 830, and it is almost 10 at this point. Uh, But it is worth it because we are joined by two-thirds of the I Have Some Notes crew, which is an amazing podcast and one of my favorite podcasts Uh, We have Greg and Liam here. Gentlemen, how are you doing today?
2: Very good. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. Thank you for having me. Having
0: us? (laughs) Thank you for making the time to be here. Please introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about yourselves uh, before we get started here.
3: Uh, I'm Greg Beaver. I'm the the producer of uh, I Have Some Notes. I Have Some Notes as a a podcast where we uh, punch up mediocre Hollywood movies. That's a good time. Yeah, and I
2: am Liam Kreswick. I am one of the other co hosts of I Have Some Notes, where we punch up mediocre movies. Uh, And I I guess I'm also uh, on another podcast called Quantum Kickflip, which is an actual play podcast where we uh, play a game called Slug Blaster, designed by an Edmonton game designer.
0: Fun. And as an active listener of I Have Some Notes, I can say definitively that it is a good time and I love the discussion you guys have. at time of recording, you just released a 2022 wrap-up, and I believe your last episode before that was Frozen.
3: Was it Frozen or was it... Um, uh... Oh, uh, Last
2: Night in Soho. Last Night in Soho.
0: Soho, that's right. That's right. That was, uh, I watched that while I was on the road this year, and I, I remember comparing it to a movie, but it's become such a forgettable movie to me that I couldn't even remember what I was like, oh, this is basically this.
3: <laughs> that's fair. It's not Edward Wright's most memorable movie.
2: Indeed. Um, I also listened to, to your guys' uh, best of uh, the year wrap-up. I forget which one of you was the It Takes Two fan. I just me! That
4: one
2: in there. <laughs> oh, so good. I My my partner and I played through that as well this year, even though it came out last year. So I, I'm going to just endorse that game recommend from your, your best of episode.
1: Huzzah! Of thank you. <laughs> and, and I would like to thank you all for being so professional. You actually have titles. Uh, Josh just locks me in his basement.
0: Uh, so i'm not
4: a producer
1: (laughs) (laughs) i am just the social media troll in the basement
0: (laughs) yeah i'm i'm the producer editor host alex just uh does the social media news for us and then occasionally sometimes hosts on the podcast
3: (laughs) well the illusion of being a professional is the most important thing in, in podcasting i think (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one of the reasons we keep Scott around, because he's got that deep radio voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love the way he introduces himself every week. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois.
4: <laughs>
0: so we are here to talk about Lego sequels, uh, which is which are movies that have come out 10 plus years after the original movie. But before we dive into that with Greg and Liam, we're going to take a quick ad break from our friends at Sugarcoated Murder, and we'll be right back.
1: Hey, Ann Barr. Hey, Karen Devaney.
2: We need a promo. You know, like where we talk about what we do on our podcast. On our sugar-coated murder podcast. Like how we love to bake and talk about murder. That's what we need to talk about.
1: There you go. I think we've talked about it. Y'all find us on all your favorite listening apps. Stay sweet. And don't murder. Because if you kill people, we will talk about you.
0: And we are back to talk about legacy sequels with Greg and Liam from the I Have Some Notes podcast along with myself and Alex. And we're going to kind of just dive right into this because the main topic is not necessarily talking about individual movies, but we can bring them up in uh, ways to talk about their successes or their failures. But like what makes a, a legacy sequel work? Because we were coming out of 2022, which just had top gun maverick come out and made 1.4 billion dollars over like a, a <laughs> six month theater run which hasn't happened in a long time so yeah. uh, i mean let's, let's Shocking just kind of
3: everyone i think
0: <laughs> let's just kind of open this up to the floor and uh like what what are some of your favorite lego sequels and what do you think makes it makes them work right off the bat i gotta say i i had not heard the portmanteau lego
2: sequels until today and i'm i'm very charmed by it so <laughs> I don't know if you came up with that or if that's been around, but I, I love it.
0: As far as I'm aware, it was coined by Nick Mason of the Weekly Planet podcast.
1: Thankfully, I trademarked it. You guys owe me a quarter every time you say it. So that's <laughs> the important part here. So please have to remember, he's in my
0: basement. So to get to the ATM, he has to pay me some royalties to get out.
4: <laughs> ah,
3: <that was laughs> well, we're only going to be paying you in, in Canadian quarters. So it won't be uh, it won't be all that fantastic for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's fun to say loonies.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What What makes a good legacy sequel work? What are our What are our favorites? Um, maybe start with Top they're, Gun they're, because, they're...
3: like, to- sorry, go ahead, Liam. Sorry. No. Go. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say maybe start with Top Gun because I think that's sort of like a an interesting example of a legacy sequel doing like working, but also not working. Top Gun works because it does deliver uh, something. That audiences haven't seen in a very long time, which is uh, some real practical filming, you know, throwing all those actors into the jets and just tossing them around to which I'm sure many of them had lost their lunch several times because it looked it looked horrifying (laughs) like you like you really get a You get such a great sense of physicality and speed the way that they filmed it. Um, and, you know, obviously, famously, the original Top Gun, they, they had uh, filmed a lot of, you know, all the, the jets practically as well. I don't think they got into the cockpits quite as much, but I, like it was it was something that, you know, gave people a reason to go to the theaters and see it. And, and I think it also had the benefit of word of mouth, like after a few people had seen it, they are like, oh, you just have to see these action scenes because they're incredible on the flip side like the 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 film itself when you break down the the plot which is more or less a carbon copy of the original which is what i dislike about uh, what i consider to be sort of like a bad sequel and it also is fairly empty in terms of like its character development it sort of subsists on this high octane action alone which is fair enough. Like you can have a good movie like that. But I think it's interesting how how Top Gun sort of like bridges that gap between what I would probably consider what makes uh, a legacy sequel work, delivering something different, and what I consider it not working, which is like trying to do the same but different.
2: Yeah, the the same but different, I think, is the the lesson to be learned from sequels, be they legacy sequels or this movie came out and now we've got to crank one out in nine months to capitalize on the energy. Sequels. Or just a good proper two or three years. Yeah, all sequels really do need to to walk that line of doing what we expect, delivering the goods, but not uh, doing something that we doing, something new, justifying their existence. And the shelf life of a legacy sequel doesn't necessarily improve it one way or like they don't, they're not scotch. They don't necessarily age. Some do some. It's like, no, you guys probably should have made the sequel. Like Zoolander 2 comes to mind oh, of no. one where it's like, <laughs> why, why did you wait a decade for this? I it couldn't be cool. Where, whereas Avatar in theaters now, it's like, that's kind of cool that we had to wait a decade to get this thing again. It's not, it isn't the kind of thing they can crank out like Harry Potter movies.
1: See, Zoolander, I find an interesting point because the first one, I, I, I unabashedly just love that movie. It is so bizarre in how timely it was with all its mockery of how things are going because you know, phones were getting a lot smaller, so we had a super microphone and not understanding how computers worked as they were becoming – the internet and the computers were becoming very invasive in households and the celebration of fashion. And then you had Zoom two, which <laughs> should have worked in many ways because it was still Ben Stiller who was coming off of... I mean, he did. He had his, what I consider probably his magnum opus, which, which would be Tropic Thunder. But then he was kind of just settling into the Meet the Fockers movies and looking at the Night in the Museum stuff. And he's like, oh, okay, I kind of need a, a surefire thing. Let's, let's crank up Zoolander 2. And it was just a whiff. Like nothing <laughs> worked. And I think part of the reason why that works is one of my complaints about LEGO sequels Is they don't understand that people change. They think that to recapture the magic of the original, that they have to solidify the person where they were in the middle of movie A is where they have to endure and exist in movie B. They don't look at the end of movie A and say, this person has changed, grown, this is the new person. They revert them.
4: Mm Mm-hmm if you Mm, look at so
1: if you look at something like bad santa and bad santa 2 it is the exact same problem they don't give willie any change any difference um the kid is the exact same kid that he was even though he's now an adult and they even went back and got the same actor i think that actor had only done like bad santa and now is doing bad santa 2 they have all these issues with letting characters age develop and grow and instead they just there's just reversion
2: yeah it's and I think it's a, weirdly it's a problem with with movies because I know um sitcom and television that's that's central to the writing process um i I use the story circle Dan Harmon's um story circle a lot in improv that I direct because I think it's just a better version of the Joseph Campbell hero's journey and the thing I keep trying to reiterate is like you gotta go through your arc and the you you said it right like the you at the end is the new you at the beginning uh, of the next episode. Um, you being the character, even Marvel movies, even Harry Potter movies where they know they're going to make a, a a dozen of them are still meant to be these like singular things uh, that I, I don't, I just don't know if, if they're always thinking about that, how to, how to tell a story without reverting back to square one. Right.
0: Oh yeah. You can definitely tell with like Thor um, between Ragnarok to Infinity War and Endgame and then into Thor Love and Thunder. He's got four different character arcs going on <laughs> in four different movies that none of them really quite mesh like Infinity War and Endgame are a little more cohesive because they were written as a single story. But it's still very different because Thor's dealing with like PTSD and depression, where in, uh, in Infinity War, he's just dealing with like a revenge plot. And to the point of going with the same, but different uh, there are a few movies that uh, I shared this list with you guys earlier uh, where it's a legacy sequel, but it's kind of rebooting the franchise in a way as well. You have movies like Creed where it's basically Rocky all over again, but they change it enough that it feels fresh because it's now about a store, a family legacy. It's about finding your own individuality within that legacy And like Ghostbusters Afterlife as well, where Uh it's, again, embracing yourself and become and your family kind of learning to love who you are for who you are, not the idea of who they think you should be. So there's a lot of good stuff in that the same but different. But on the flip side of that, which Alex and I kind of talked privately before uh, you guys joined us, The Force Awakens kind of does that in a different way for me, where it's Resetting to the status quo and then just kind of retelling the story from a new hope with new characters, and that just feels. After this is the highest-grossing U.S. domestic movie of all time at almost a billion dollars at the U.S. alone, and yet I'm like, seven years later, I'm sitting here thinking, how? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, I get it because it's Star Wars and it's exciting and it's new. I remember in 1999, I sat through five showings of the Phantom Menace because it was new Star Wars and it was amazing. And it's like I get it, but having time to think about it, like the Tar scene alone, I'm like, this is completely pointless. Why is this in the movie? It's because you needed <laughs> a, you needed a garbage pit scene, and this is what they came up with.
4: Yeah, yeah comparing
2: yeah. that to Creed, I think is is a really interesting one because they're they're both the the gestalt is the same the the vibe
3: is the same and yet wildly different results i think uh jj abrams might be this might be a little bit too insulting but he seems like the most soulless director around (laughs) at least as far as his his uh filmography is concerned maybe not his um television work uh but the way that he he's rebooted both star wars and star trek right and the way that he's done it has, has felt so calculating uh, to to best suit the product of Star Wars and or Star Trek um, that it feels like a little insulting when you're when you're done watching the <laughs> film. Right. Um, I You know, Force Awakens was fun and it had a lot of energy and the same goes for um, the reboot of, of Star Trek. Um, but at the end of the day, when you think about like how hard they worked to please the audience rather than giving us something um new and interesting that uh we might not have known we wanted, which is kind of the gold standard for any sequel, as far as I'm concerned, like that wasn't yeah. really in the in the conversation for them. That's not what they were they were interested in doing. They were interested in in creating something that that the 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 old fans would come out for in droves uh, as well as pleasing the general audience and that was like they yeah. you know they were going full full four quadrant you know <laughs> yeah
2: and also i feel like we're the some of these are are more franchises i i think we were trying to t- like we were talking about movies where it's like one and then a decade goes by and there's another like like way of the water right because um, yeah. when you get into franchise talk, it's a whole other, well, it's a whole other bag of worms.
1: So. <laughs> Two movies that have come out fairly recently that I think tried to do the template of we're going to ignore everything that happened beforehand and ex- other than the original and continue would be Halloween, which came out in 2017, which ignored all the sequels <laughs> And it was basically like, hey, listen, you know, we're gonna do, you know, Michael Myers is back. We're gonna have the kids. Um, Laurie Strode is still around, and I thought that movie really worked because they took the Laurie Strode at the end of the movie and gave her PTSD, some issues. Apparently, she briefly had a love affair or a marriage and fell apart and all this stuff, and now she's a crazy old lady who lives in the woods. And I thought that movie really worked because of the respect of the original and trying to track a cohesive journey of what what was coming. Mm -hmm. But then you have Netflix's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, in which Leatherface is there. Apparently after the end of the first movie, he got adopted and lives in an orphanage in this kind of abandoned town and it tries to have some kind of message about media because it's a bunch of like young influencers who are trying to go in and gentrify it by literally buying a town in texas and then sally the survivor from the original they tried a very similar thing she apparently became a texas ranger she's been looking for leatherface for 45 50 years and then she of course shows up screaming at leatherface i know you know like i knew you would come back and they tried the exact same thing but it didn't work they took the template and just failed in every execution of trying to deliver respect for the original property gruesome kills interesting action and a story about your past coming to haunt you and it's really just interesting just to look at both of those movies and go this worked wow this did not
3: (laughs) i have to imagine that creating maybe not just a sequel but a a legacy sequel for a horror movie has to be exceedingly difficult to come at it in a new and interesting way because most horror movies have some kind of hook that's really intrinsic to that film and that um, has touched the audience's imagination in some big way and most horror sequels end up being like well here's that hook and then here's some more interesting kills so to revamp mm-hmm. a horror movie in a way that comes at it in a in a much uh, in a much different way and justifies ex- its existence by being something new and fresh and different I, I have to imagine that might be the genre that's the most difficult to get that done
0: speaking of horror movie legacy sequels Through the research that I did, trying to just find notable legacy sequels, um, Doctor Sleep came up, which is a movie I haven't seen because I'm a big scaredy cat and I don't watch horror movies. Uh, (laughs) So, like having a movie come out about almost 40 years after The Shining as a sequel to The Shining, um, I I haven't seen it, so I I have no frame of reference for it. But what did you guys think of Doctor Sleep? If you have seen it, can't say I have. The Shining is one of those perfect movies. I'm
2: a big Stanley Kubrick fan, that I'm like I don't need. Anyone to follow up with, though, uh, I could be wrong because, uh, that's what I said about Blade Runner 2049 uh, and was like, Oh, wait, I'm an idiot, this movie's great, and Danny is a genius, <laughs> uh, so maybe I should give Dr. Sleep and try to give it a shot.
1: It is a weird movie in that there are moments where you can probably feel Stephen King leaning over uh, the writer director's shoulder and going. <clears throat> I don't like the movie, The Shining, <laughs> but he somehow bridges making Dr. Sleep, which is a sequel to the book. And the book was maybe, I don't even know if it was a template for Kubrick. If so much, it was like, he looked at, he went, there's a hotel. Okay, cool.
3: <laughs> Got it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm just, I'm, and I get to torture the actors.
3: Perfect.
1: But he somehow bridges making Stephen King happy and also respecting the shining movie and it's enduring legacy of perfection i went into doctor sleep i i'm not the biggest ewan mcgregor fan i i don't really get why people love him as much as they do other than apparently there's an entire generation of children that finds it endearing that he said hello there at one point in the star wars movie (laughs) (laughs) but i was watching this and it worked for me there's something about that it doesn't it really become a shining sequel into the last thirty-five minutes that actually works, and I think he did enough reverence to it. And then, of course, he completely changes the ending from what Stephen King's book did, so that makes me happy as hell. Because <laughs> apparently,
4: future,
2: I have some notes. Episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe. There's a couple on this list we had where I like, ah, can see us doing that that down the road. One of the things I've noticed that kind of keeps coming up as we're all talking about our sort of take on what what makes a, a like a sequel good, what does it need? Greg kind of touched on it early on of like its justification for existing, like what was the impetus to to relaunch this in the first place? Uh, and as I sort of like looked at you know the list we had compiled of these, um, like oh that one's good, that one's bad, that one's kind of good, that one's bad, that one's good. Um, it really does seem like it's the ones where the person making it whether it was the original cast or crew or new people um or some combination thereof an enthusiasm to do something unique and original with material that is aged well um, or at least a premise and a concept that it is aged well i think the best example of that is uh, mad max fury road where uh, it has a lot in common with the Mad Max movies, and also not a lot in common with the other Max Mad movie Mad Max movies, and is very timely, very relevant to the the world we live in. Clearly, George Miller had something he wanted to do, didn't need Mel Gibson to do it, and the results are are brilliant. Um, whereas the the flip side is uh, something like Tron Legacy, which we did mm-hmm. on. I have some notes, um, and yeah, it's just it's heartless. It's 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 a soulless. Movie that's just a bunch of CGI where some outsider goes to a fantastic place and they gotta change over the the regime of of power and authority to save the oppressed people of this world and then head back out, head back home. Couldn't be more boilerplate of a of a premise or a story, and they literally just slapped the Tron. Uh, style over top of a movie we've all seen a thousand times because Disney needed something to sell that particular month in theaters and Tron was on the shelf available to be rebooted, right? Like how fast did that movie come and go? Like there's been no more Tron movies. Nobody talks about that movie unless you're us for some reason. And so I think I really just like the intent behind why that thing is getting remade is it because the art artists involved have something they want to say with the material or were are they just trying to like fill a quarters you know quota of movies to be made and bankable like, names sure. are bankable or, names I, right? the artist
3: to... has a, a grudge yeah, no no to, no wait wait, wait. To, like a score to settle like in the case of Lana Wachowski with yeah, the that's... Matrix Resurrections <laughs> right yeah, Matrix Resurrections. I, I have I
1: have I have some notes for you. <laughs> Tron Hold on. Legacy. Okay. Thank you. Tron Legacy, how dare you? That soundtrack is amazing.
4: <laughs> oh, the
2: sound no did I say anything about the soundtrack? Yeah, that it and, slaps. And on its own. You know, Absolutely.
1: It did have a brief yep. run as a Disney Channel cartoon as a sequel. And Jared Fair. Little keeps threatening he's gonna make a sequel. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that
1: being said, that being said, there is one moment. I mean, I, I understand everything you're saying about Tron Legacy, and by the way, we're gonna get back to Resurrections because how dare you. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there is a moment in Tron Legacy, there's one scene that I will go back and constantly rewatch because I think that scene is the entire reason why he filmed the movie. It is the part of the movie where um not David Tennant, uh, his friend from uh, uh, he does all the, the... From
3: good omens,
1: yes, the good omens guy, uh, <laughs> crud, Kate Beckinsell's ex, Martin something, dang, what is
3: his name? Anyway, Martin Sheen, there we go, yeah, saying thank you, Martin Sheen or Michael Sheen, Michael, Michael Sheen, Sheen, thank you, Martin Michael Sheen. Sheen, yeah, not Martin Sheen, yeah, <laughs> different guy, Boy flynn
1: not really, yeah, boyfriend <laughs> goes into Michael Sheen's, um. Dance studio. You see Daft Punk briefly. A fight scene breaks out where they're trying to, you know, beat up Boyfriend because he's a user. And you know, you get the amazing music. I will rewatch this scene, and I've sent sent it to Josh. God knows how many times, and a bunch of people of one perfect moment in cinema, where the music fades down. The fight is starting to go, you know, like go down, uh, go away. The lights dim. And you see him, um, you see him oh god, I his name, but you see him enter the room. And they don't show him at first, they show all the programs kneeling to him. As he comes to Jeff Bridges. Yes, Jeff Bridges, whatever his character's name is, is not Tron, Tron's the the other person. And you see everybody kneel to him, the lighting is perfect, the music's perfect, they're in reverence of this person that they've heard forever come to them. And he comes in, he grabs, you know, boy Flynn, he grabs, uh, Cora. They begin to leave.
0: <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I have to interrupt. You remember, you you remember the sons of yes. Flynn. You can't remember Jeff Bridges' character's name. No, Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: And they begin to leave. And it's all these people who are falling to their knees that this person has graced their presence. And it is the perfect, like, encapsulation of a Messiah moment. That is something I would have loved to have seen. I would have loved to seen that at all replicated in the Star Wars sequels with Luke. And the only time we got that mm. is in Boba Fett Season 2, the final episode, where Moff Gideon is staring at the screen, and he realizes a Jedi is coming for him.
0: I think you're hallucinating, thinking Boba Fett's going to get a oh, season, sorry, two. Uh, <laughs> season 2. Oh, sorry, The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah.
3: I uh, I will say this for for Tron Legacy, um, it does justify existent its existence in one way, which is uh, being uh, a, a visual masterpiece outside of the you know the face replacement stuff. It really takes the ideas of the look of Tron from the original '80s movie, which you know, doesn't look great today. I mean uh visually impressive for the time that it was created. But Mm -hmm. it really just it took that 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 little kernel of something cool and just like dialed it up to eleven and it just looks great. And like Joseph Joseph Kaczynski is one of these um commercial directors to film director type guys. And I think he's he's had a pretty interesting journey as a as a filmmaker because he's made a lot of okay movies that are just like visually stunning. Like, like I recommend people watch oblivion. It's just like like a a nondescript Tom Cruise movie, but boy, is it amazing to look at? Um, And, you know, he, he uh, he followed that up uh, eventually with, top Gun maverick the the movie that we led this the talk off with you know it, he he eventually uh took that visual style and and uh and put it to good use in a, in a halfway decent movie and now he's a billion dollar director
2: then i guess maybe the 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 takeaway then is like the the whether it worked or not the thing that tron did to justify its existence is like those old the old Tron movie looks cool as hell we can dial it up to eleven. Yeah. We can make it look cool. To hell, we can get Daft Punk yeah. to do the soundtrack. Um, is that enough to justify an otherwise no. <laughs> for a movie? Who's to say? But I think the lesson then is: is um, what makes a legacy sequel work. Take the things that work so well in the original. Don't lose that that spirit that that gestalt uh, as opposed to maybe some of the like nuts and bolts plot. Or hell, maybe it is the nuts and bolts plot you want, and you lose the the vibe i think it's yeah it's just finding that like what's important what what's the thing that that has endured over the years like taking it
3: back to resurrections like that's that's it's sort of the opposite right where resurrections decided to tell a, like a much different story that was much more about um, being about metatextual and um, they almost completely forgot about what a a a visual footprint the original matrix had on right. uh the filmography right where th- this th- the resurrections feels like it left that behind and it was more or less like an episode of Eight, <laughs> you know like visually it didn't really it didn't really do too much more than that
1: my problem with resurrections that i've now settled into is my same problem that i have with star wars sequels which is the same problem that i have with harry potter and the cursed child and a lot of the lego sequels that don't work is that which goes back to like the original point of the characters don't grow. But not only do the characters don't grow, they destroy the characters' successes. So if you go from the end of Return of the Jedi, Luke's an all powerful Jedi Master. He's succeeded. Uh, Leia has re- achieved her dream of the uh, the rebellion working. Han is becoming a good guy. All debts are paid off because basically everyone's dead. That he has debts to pay off. He's no longer a scumbag scoundrel. And you go right into Episode Seven luke's a failure leia is still now in a new rebellion and han is literally looking for the millennium falcon because he's a scumbag <laughs> rebel and you take that and you and you do something like harry and the pot on the cursed child and harry's a poor father hermione's an overworked uh a wife ron's a, a scumbag again and then you go back and you go to like resurrections and it had shown that there was a peace treaty that it was done between the machines and the humans and zion had one um morpheus had one he had his belief his faith in neo had one but instead what we get is neo and trinity are jacked back into the matrix they're not together anymore they've lost who they are completely morpheus they don't even tell you what happened with morpheus other than he was a failure and he died and zion with him and now we have this new cold war And that is a problem that I have is that if you're going to make me a sequel and you left me on a good note because you finished your story, you don't destroy the characters and their successes to start over. You give them a new challenge. Like I have railed at Josh. He's heard this plenty of times, but I would have loved to see a Star Wars sequel trilogy that was about Leia as head of the Republic Hannah is her husband, who's a doting good father. Luke has generations of Jedi underneath him, and something has come up that challenges them. Instead, their life for yeah. 30-something years has been misery.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I think that my personal issue with the way that the the Star Wars trilogy played out is that I was never really clear on the linkages between the the trilogies between episode six and episode seven, like it's because it, it just feels to me like the empire was always around and it didn't go away at all. It didn't feel like there was any sort of like victory at all. Like, like you say, that sort of, it sort of like suggests that it was all for, for nothing, uh, which is a, a bit of a bummer. <laughs> I will say that putting them in a position where they have to fight an evil empire again, isn't necessarily the worst thing but it's more to me about like you know what the character's journey is rather than what the obstacle is like I, a lot of a lot of folks complained about where luke was in the last jedi you know he's given up on on the force and stuff like that and i don't know like to me that's a really interesting place to put luke like this guy who's like he's kind of lost everything and he's losing his faith and Going going the other way where he's like he's still like a wise old sage like Yoda, just more like more or less just repeats uh, Empire Strikes Back again, which is not really all that interesting to me. Um, But also put like it also puts Luke in just like this really interesting position where he's he's got to have his own journey uh, in order to help Ray plot wise. I think that works. And uh, yeah,
1: but that is exactly a repeat of of um, Empire Strikes Back. Luke is by himself a Jedi master on an island surrounded by creatures and he's Yoda literally.
0: Oh yeah.
3: Yeah. There's, it's still, it still rhymes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, if you have a better plot surrounding it, you can get away with it a little bit better. But I think because these movies never had an overarching story that was created by a producer or a story manager that it all just felt really messy because everyone's like, Oh, I'm going to make my own version of this movie. And it just, it falls apart, but we don't want this to devolve yeah. into uh, the Star Wars <laughs> sequels. We're a big mess. Relitigating Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. Because
2: uh, you you touched on something earlier in in before we
0: got real deep into the Star Wars <laughs> of it all. It was really hard not to dive deep into uh, Star Wars Resistance and it's giving fair. some backstories. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's fair um but when you were like they the sequels that ruin their characters successes yeah um i thought was really interesting and I, I i realized there's there's a sequel with its own sequel that does that really well and then on the set, the next one screws it up and that's toy story 3 does a great job of not destroying yeah, its story character 3. successes and then toy story oh 4 oh my gosh i completely forgot yeah. toy story
1: 4 even exists
2: yeah it Toy Story 3 was such a perfect perfect movie that made so much sense for those characters in that world. And then Toy Story 4 is like, what are, what are we doing here? So it, it's just interesting that you can see that example back to back in a pair of sequels.
3: I uh, I actually purposely did not watch Toy Story 4 because I believe that Toy Story 3 was such a, a good ending for that series that I was totally uninterested in seeing them again.
0: Yeah, I can't say I blame you there. Uh, Backtracking a little bit, uh, I believe, Liam, you mentioned that uh, when we were talking about Tron and like taking either like certain story beats and bringing that and updating it or just taking like the nuts and bolts and using that and be like, this is what people want. Those are two things that really kind of stuck out to me with the list we created here with Jurassic World and, (laughs) and Superman Returns. Those two movies really stuck out to me when you were talking about like just taking the nuts and bolts of a story and throwing it at at the legacy sequel to just be like, this is what you like about these movies, right? And uh, Superman Returns is one for me that just constantly does not work because they're just trying to recreate a Christopher Reeve story or give that Superman kind of his own closure. But it's so sloppy other than the, the plane catch scene. Everything else in that movie just does not work. Yeah,
2: no, that's a big, big time agree. It, it it's like you know, you know the thing we love Lex Luthor for his weird schemes to create expensive <laughs> land. That's that's what we want, land. <laughs> and just constantly getting caught and thrown yeah. in jail, <laughs> seizing ownership of lands he didn't pre- previously own. That's that's the that's the heart of what having we're doing sex here with, with old women to
0: acquire wealth.
2: <laughs> oh, it's so weird. I think so it's, weird. it's
3: it's probably a good example. I think, I think we kind of touched on this very lightly before but um a good example of a of a movie not understanding the times that it's living in you know at that point with superman returns i I think it was sort of like post x-men and spider-man and stuff like that right so Mm -hmm. audiences were looking for the material to be taken much more seriously and um Superman Returns kind of like want, wanted to go back and be that playful sort of the uh, 70s vibe and it just wasn't working so yeah it's it's really you know if you're if you're if you're making your legacy sequel you better have a good idea of like where your fan base is at and where your audience is at
0: and that's something that actually reminded me uh another thing that bothers me about this movie is that it's supposed to be five years after what 1981 and
4: it They
0: have all modern technology now, and it's just like, wait, you were in 1981 and now we're in 2006, but it's only been five years, but you have Macs and modern cars and what's happening here? Like you, you either buy into we're going to set it back in the 80s or you make something new like you can't really do both, in my opinion. Very early on in the podcast, I think before we took our like two year hiatus, Alex and I had a big debate about Jurassic World and I still hate it and I do not understand how it made a billion dollars, but we've also got like five Transformers movies that have made a billion dollars. So like general audiences, I, they just enjoy what they enjoy. But Jurassic World is another one of those legacy sequels that we talked a little bit about with like Halloween, where they just kind of scrap every other sequel and just talk about the main one. And this is another one where they just took the nuts and bolts of the main thing where dinosaurs get out, people get killed, but this time we're going to kill them on mass. And the eye candy is great. Like the Mosasaur is pretty cool, but overall the movie is just so shallow and hollow. And uh, it's, it just is a legacy sequel that I, as the sequels have shown, there's not a lot to these movies and just the fact that they keep trying to make a franchise out of it just shows that you had the one good movie there's not much else you can do after it just let it be
3: (laughs) yeah i'd say there's there's definitely some properties where there's not a lot of rope (laughs) with your concept like you know you can only (laughs) you can only retell dinosaurs going amok uh so many different ways before it starts to feel stale and like I guess with Jurassic World, they kind of came at it in a new direction because it was interesting to see the park open and functioning as intended. Does it justify its existence? I don't know. I feel like it kind of does uh, enough different with the material um, and takes the next evolution. You know, the first Jurassic Park is all about humans meddling in, with nature and playing god and like the humans in jurassic world take it even further by like you know that you know people are they want something creating hybrid even crazier than dinosaurs they want you know new dinosaurs that we just made up on a whole cloth kind of thing and i think and, and it also it's kind of really like cool. is a, is a you know a, a, an interesting comment on on uh, on humanity itself and just like and how we consume entertainment and and how much you know we always need bigger, better, more bombastic and and it's kind of a comment on how uh, it, blockbuster filmmaking has evolved in and of itself to the point now where you know blockbuster filmmaking doesn't even include like comedy genres. there's no more like comedy big comedy movie in the summer it's just yeah. all uh superhero shit mostly and uh and, and yeah so i i think in some ways like dr- remember yeah. podcast we're on we're on <laughs> this, what s stands for um yeah so it, it it's an interesting it's an interesting sequel because like it like in a way it has something to say but it also i i think i agree with you Josh that it's it's also fairly vacant and vapid for the most part um and uh treats some of its characters um, extremely poorly um you know, Like so the it's, poor like, assistant
1: yeah, who's time. just dragged to her death for some yeah, reason. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> just trying to but make hey, It's like justified because
0: kids? in a deleted scene, she was a real bitch to the kids. So, you know, that's fine. <laughs> no more than their aunt was.
1: <laughs> hey, you guys are showing up because your parents are getting divorced. Here's a random person. Go hang out with her.
4: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I think there is a good movie there. If they took it more into the like, Consumerism of the park as well. Like, you, obviously, you need the dinosaurs to break out, but if you're gonna if you're gonna make a statement on something like Jurassic Park has opened, it's been open for however long, and people are getting bored with the regular dinosaurs, and you can ride the baby triceratops. Like, go a little and go a little bit into Shrek territory and start making some statements about like, hey, Disney World, fun on the surface, right? Let's go a little deeper and show you how corrupt and just awful this place is but they they just would they went all surface level and were just like hey look a sponsored dinosaur horizon wireless brings you the indominus
4: rex
1: (laughs) (laughs) i will say that is actually one of the parts that i actually did like about matrix resurrection resurrections when they got wednesday adams to show up for one scene so that she could do like the whole like okay we want a matrix sequel what do people know the matrix is for (laughs) I loved that scene because I was like, "What the hell am I watching? This is amazing!" Unfortunately, that scene didn't carry forward to the rest of the movie. That's fine, but at (sighs) least they were letting you know what the movie was and why it was there briefly. (laughs) That some corporate bigwig was like, "Dude,
0: we got to reboot this IP."
3: Which, yeah, yeah. that that opening sequence
0: (laughs) with all that meta stuff that was great.
3: Yeah, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. I really, I you know, you could taste. Lana, Wachowski's rage? Oh yeah! When you're watching that movie, and and that I think was the funnest part of it. I I think uh, I think you know Resurrections kind of totally justifies itself in 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 being that sort of commentary on on this st- on uh, movie studios and the whole blockbuster filmmaking biz. So
1: yeah, yeah, it, it's great. It reminded me of scenes from um, Blazing Saddles and Tropic Thunder, in which the movies briefly divulge and uh, in, uh, divert into this. I hate what I'm doing. So everybody has to suffer with me moment. Like I have never understood the ending of blazing saddles. Please tell me I'm not the only one who's seen that
0: movie. <laughs> yeah. You're the only person who has ever seen blazing. I meant
1: of the four of us, Josh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not, 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 not in my adulthood oh, to okay. tell you what the ending is sorry no it's the one hole it's it's actually or the one hole on the in the books
3: yeah. uh, filmography okay
1: well you got to correct that tonight it's only about 96 <laughs> minutes it's it's fantastic but the movie ends with them getting into such a large fight that they spill over literally to other sound stages and it they don't explain wh- it's very <laughs> money <laughs> yeah, they don't explain why this is happening but it happens and then there's like
2: <laughs> is that marriage story ends too
1: <laughs> and then in like the tropic thunder where they're just talking where they where they just are just bold-faced just telling you that they're a bunch of overprivileged actors and this is the worst day of their life it was just i uh and you wonder like there's just and i <laughs> love that scene so much in Ma- matrix uh, matrix resurrections and i so hoped that they were going to go like weirdly the entire movie super meta with like, I really thought that Keanu, that the agent was going to be actually Keanu Reeves agent, like real life that they were going to be like, <laughs> they were going to be like, listen, guy, you got to make another one of these movies. We're going to start, we're going to start training you. And he's like, what we're going to teach you Kung Fu. <laughs> it, would, it was just so weird, but there are just, I don't know. There's You have to love the property, but also just respect the, respect the characters and at least try to respect the audience more than just think they want sugar.
0: And I think that's actually a great transition uh, into skewing a bit more positive here. I know the negative stuff is really easy to dive into and really rip apart. uh, Mm -hmm. But we, we did talk earlier about uh, anyone who takes on a legacy sequel, they have to have an appreciation for either the property, the characters or the story they're telling that involves the characters. And I think two really good ones, which we've already talked about Creed But Ryan Coogler just did a fantastic job resurrecting that that world. But another uh, movie that we brought up in our list here is The Color of Money, which I mean, Martin Scorsese just kind of knocked that one out of the park because who the heck really thought that uh, a sequel to The Hustler was ever coming, let alone a good sequel was coming?
3: Sorry, I haven't seen it, so that's why I'm not talking. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh man, United, I, I, so I, I can't. I can't got a couple more. You got to add
0: to the list I was here. Trying to
1: remember, is that the one Tom Cruise is in?
0: <laughs> yes, worst person in the world, he, Tom Cruise, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but oh man, if if you haven't seen it, I, I strongly recommend it. Though it is really good. It is slightly before Tom Cruise just goes completely insane, allegedly. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that because I don't want us to get. Through.
0: Yeah, it's a bit now. Yeah, thanks for explaining the bit, Alex. That's, <laughs> that makes it so much You're more welcome.
2: funny. <laughs> Damn, John Turturro's in this. Forrest Whitaker. Johnny Carson always <laughs> so. said
1: the bit's funnier if you explain it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the color of money is actually really good. The The problem, the only problem with that movie is that they didn't say, you know, they didn't necessarily say this is a sequel to the other movie <laughs> which you would get which True. you would get these days like you know glass onion a knives out mystery
3: <laughs> yeah
1: boo yeah
0: yeah if if you did not know about like the book or and in my case i saw it on tv when i was like 12 years old and my dad's like what's this i'm like uh it's called the color of money and then he pulled a couple of books off his shelf and he's like oh hey these are based on a novel written by uh walter tevis and I was like, oh, OK, from what I understand, a lot of people did not realize at the time that it was a, uh, a sequel as well until like names were dropped and everything and like references to the previous movie. But it, it is a, a fantastic movie on its own, and it does what a legacy sequel should do, which tells a story that is unique and also kind of carries on from where the characters character or characters were previously and continues to evolve them, which, again, we talked a little bit about in Creed, where. Rocky is now kind of moving into the Mickey role and he, he has to accept that, but he's also really lost because he's lost his wife. He's lost touch with his son. We don't really know what's going on with that because is Rocky Balboa Canon? We don't know, but having a love for these, these characters in the, these movies is definitely a a big part in what I think makes a lasting legacy sequel. And I, I don't know where you guys fall on the, the kingdom of the crystal skull uh, ideal, but like that one really just felt like it. they needed to make an Indiana Jones movie because the nostalgia factor, like the kids, uh, like I was born in 1985. So I grew up watching The Last Crusade and all these other movies because they like they'd all just come out on VHS. And uh, now we were all hitting our 20s. So like, oh, hey, let's capitalize on this group of people becoming more mm-hmm. monetarily independent. And then they release Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where they're like, oh, we're only going to use CGI when absolutely necessary. And it's going to be it's going to be just like the ones you love and grew up with. And then the first thing we see is a CGI gopher and there's the whole monkey scene. And I could go on and on, but like...
3: I I was gonna bring up Crystal Skull earlier because um, I think is Alex was talking about um, uh, characters that uh, that don't grow and progress in the their sequels and um, Indiana Jones is kind of like it's it's sort of you know it's an homage to those old serialized um, uh, films of the the fifties and things like that right and they're like the character himself like. It should be a character that any actor can play in my mind, even though like, well, Harrison Ford is so good at it, but the character of Indiana Jones, to me, he doesn't really exist outside of the hat. If you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You need an actor who's able to perform the the physicalities of the role in order for it to truly feel like Indiana. But if you're going to make an Indiana Jones movie, 20 years after you've made the last one or whatever it was. um, I don't know. Like you definitely don't try to pretend that he's still the same guy. Like they don't really touch on his age, except for like a few jokes here and there. I think um, Shia LaBeouf makes a comment about him being like 80 or something like that. But other than that, the, the movie tries to pretend that, he can do all the deathifying stuff that he's normally done, and he can he can fight the heavy and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, the trouble is, is like the actor himself has you know is has trouble keeping up to that, and and it's and it's fairly evident. I think if that movie were Indiana Jones recontextualized as you know an older uh, relic hunter or something like that, you know, and then you had younger actors taking up the uh physicality that would be uh, be a much better uh way to approach it but yeah as as it is it's just like you're trying desperately to capture the magic of of indiana jones and your your lead is just not really able to 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 perform to the level that you're you're asking of them
0: or maybe that's just really ageist i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a really interesting point too where i've never really Thought about it, but with the way you were explaining Indy in the original trilogy, he is kind of a placeholder character where like he has personality, but only to a point because it allows the viewer to project onto him and kind of insert themselves in the Mm -hmm. role, which I think that's a really, really interesting point that I never actually considered. He's kind of the link of uh, 80s action movies.
3: Yeah, that's right. He's like he's he in in terms of like RPGs, like a like a video game, like he's your he's your silent protagonist, essentially, and you're, that you're just you're yeah. just uh, inserting yourself into in a certain way. Yeah, like he's got like he's got a kind of an attitude, but we don't you know, we don't learn anything about what makes Indiana Jones tick. We know that we know that he doesn't like snakes and we know that he thinks relics belong in the museum. That's kind of it. And that's all we really need to know. Like we just like he's he <laughs> you know, he's got he he's got his his these two ideals and, and that's kind of it and we don't learn too much about um his history or or family life or whatever. And even in uh what is it, uh, the last crusade, like I don't think we really get um you know, a big arc between uh him and his father. Like, I don't I don't think there's much of like a like a journey between the two other than other than like they have a nice moment at the end. But there's no sort of like a resolution of any past grievances or anything like that. Right. And we don't need that because that's not the, what the movie is about. It's about adventure.
0: All right. Well, we're closing in on the hour mark, which is where I usually try to like to wrap up. But I do have a quick side game that we're going to do here because there have been a lot of legacy sequels that have been announced because of successes from movies like Top Gun and Avatar and legacy sequels tend to make money regardless, at least in the opening weekend, because people are excited to see these characters come back. Uh, and then like in the case of King of the Crystal Skull, we see increasingly large drop offs, but we have a bunch of these announcements and I just, I want to get your guys's take like just, is it hot or cold? Are you excited? Are you You're like, oh, God, no, please. <laughs> so um sure. As we're recording this today, it was announced that there was a cast for the lead of Lucius in Gladiator 2. No. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, how are we feeling about this one? Yeah,
3: I don't remember who
2: Lucius is. I, I heard about the Nick Cave uh, hell script and anything short of that is <laughs> is just disappointing to me. So.
1: Unless they're gonna yeah. do this, the leaked script where uh, he's playing Maximus throughout history, um, being involved in every major major battle, and then head of the Pentagon, I am not interested. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true leaked script that they were close to filming from in like 2009.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a go big or go
2: home script right there. I, this was a, a comment I was having with my partner before we started. Can you think of any movie that is overdue for a legacy sequel? Like something that was very good in the last like six, seven years or longer even that you're like, they're going to end up doing this. Uh, can you can you can you like sort of as as a as a guess? Can you can you think of any that are prime candidates? Because I could come up with one.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, which is Mean, Girls. Ooh, mean Ooh. Girls. Yeah. They did make a, uh, They I, made I a darker video gonna, sequel of that.
2: Yeah, I think they're gonna do a like Lindsay Lohan's cleaned her shit up and Tina Fey needs a win, and they're gonna we're like five or six years away from a Mean Girls
0: yeah, like Me and Michelle two point <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> yeah. I am mildly
1: interested in a Beetlejuice sequel mm. just because I have I listen to a lot of show tunes. Well, okay, to be fair, my my wife does when she's painting miniatures for our D and D games, and we were both like telling the you know the music program to skip Beetlejuice because it can't be good. And finally, one day we, we we relented, and I love it. And if they can capture some of the zaniness and fun of a of Beetlejuice in the musical, that is so good by being irreverent to the first movie by making a sequel in the spirit of the musical being of it would be really good I, I could see that yeah into
4: it
3: into it I, as kind of an aside to this I was I was recently watching um, Lindsay uh, Lindsay Ellis's nebula video on ET discussing why we don't really talk about ET anymore and how it hasn't really gone the way of like uh, people attempting to franchise it in any particular way as far as like subsequent films and things like that. So yeah, really interesting watch if you want to, if you're on Nebula.
0: Uh, For me, I think a sequel I would be most interested in would probably be a sequel to dread. Yes. Yeah. We're a comic book based uh, podcast. And I think, I think dread is a movie that really kind of deserves at least one more shot at showcasing what they had with carl urban in the role because i think carl urban did a fantastic job with that because he he did not care about showing his face he was more invested in the role than he was getting his face time which is one of my biggest complaints about like any spider-man movie because spider-man has to lose his mask because (laughs) he has to be able to emote during the fight (laughs) where carl urban did so much great face acting i thought that was really good but that actually um
3: yeah, but you could see half of his face, though, to be fair. <laughs> Whereas Spider-Man, Spider-Man's <laughs> got a, a full little, mask. Yeah.
0: And Marvel kind of cheats well where they gave him the Deadpool eyes, but they say right. they're mechanical yeah. to help him focus and whatever. But I mean, uh, people deal with the eyes because like, one of my biggest complaints about the Transformers movies and the upcoming Rise of the Beasts is the studio and the, the designers of the Transformers for whatever reason, really need to have Optimus Prime have a mouth. Why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just have the faceplate move, and you know he's talking. So he can eat. <laughs> it's Peter Cullen talking. You know. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Fine. He can. He needs his hot dogs or something. I guess.
2: Yeah. He's gonna-
4: Are, yeah
0: energon is really chewy the, for, the, for all the... now that's something I would pay to they see can, in a Transformers movie is often they Prime making out with someone <laughs> oh no
4: <Yeah.
3: laughs> Yeah, speaking of like approach, new approaches to uh, to IP. Yeah, like make make transformers a romantic <laughs> comedy. I'd watch the shit out of. We that.
1: briefly got that with Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> That's
4: yeah.
3: After
1: watching The Shape of Water and then seeing that like first trailer for Bumblebee, where she's in the water and like Bumblebee is too, and I'm like, I, I I think I I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I'm like, Josh, is she gonna make out with that car? <laughs>
4: <laughs> no,
0: it's just an homage to Mac and Me. It's fine.
4: Oh,
0: oh Mac and Me. Can I say that's my answer for uh, no. a movie that needs a legacy <laughs> sequel?
2: No legacy <laughs> sequel. Stop it. Oh, bad. Can you can you bank a whole movie on ironic <laughs> internet cred? Oh. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it, only if you cast Paul like Rudd me. in the role as the grown-up exactly. kid. Exactly. Yeah, that would be you amazing. Have you have to have Conan O'Brien somewhere in there. <laughs> So other upcoming legacy sequels that they've mentioned, um, I'm just going to burn through these now. Sure. Because uh, I think that conversation was better that we just had. <laughs> uh, but it's like right. they've <laughs> announced that Constantine 2 is in development now because Keanu Reeves is having his renaissance. Uh, we've got Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny no. coming out later this year. Sherlock Holmes 3 is announced we, like th- there's nothing set in stone, but they're like, hey, maybe we're probably going to do it. No, maybe not. Uh, National Treasure 3. Maybe you
2: guys are supposed uh, to be answering Indiana Jones is probably the only
0: one so far that
2: I'm I'm think might be worth my time
0: uh, Expendables yeah. Four, which I, again I don't know how they're still making these no uh, they're really hope <laughs> May- they, they got to crank it up to fast and the furious levels for that one mm-hmm. uh, and then rush hour no. Four is confirmed like wow Jackie Chan and no Christopher oh, both, really yeah they both have confirmed that they're back for this Uh, no okay so
3: i like i literally i haven't watched i i when they came out i i love those rush hour movies i don't want to watch them again because i feel like it would make my skin crawl
0: (laughs) oh that's that's kind of one we didn't talk on i I don't know if it's technically a legacy sequel but like lethal weapon four kind of falls in that same boat too Mm. where like they just they aged out of the roles and they're like let's still have them do the big fights and all this stuff (laughs) Uh, but the last one on my list here is the Karate Kid, which is slated to come out in 2024. Apparently, it's going to be called the Karate Kid again. They're they're following Scream and all this stuff, uh, and then Tony per, I'm uh, Sony, not Tony. Uh, Sony per the Hollywood Reporter has said it's set in the Karate Kid movie universe. It's not going to be set in the the Will Smith sons universe, um, and it's described as quote. The return to the original Karate Kid franchise, which like what but the they're already has... doing that <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> and the weird part is, the Cobra Kai creators showrunners have said they know nothing about this.
2: Wild, wow, yeah, yeah, that,
0: yeah, it's subterfuge. They just yeah, don't want le- people left hand doesn't involved. know what
2: the right hand's doing.
0: That's. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like something Sony would do.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> Oh yeah, like there's there's no greater studio at completely mismanaging IP. Maybe cool. Warner Brothers, they could duke it out Sony yeah, and Warner Brothers. Warner. <laughs>
0: Warner Brothers is fastly approaching Sony levels. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, we never touched on Space Jam 2. Oh, no. Right? No. <laughs> no, that movie doesn't exist. That yeah, that movie right. is like wanna, pushed
2: I don't want to talk about Space Jam 2. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that movie has pushed Kingdom of the Crystal Skull back into my zeitgeist. Like I'll talk about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Do not bring up Space Jam two to me. <laughs> the,
1: the, the one of the um the South Park Paramount movies, they mentioned that like, listen, we went through some weird times during the pandemic. We pretended Space Jam two was a good thing. <laughs> That was the best joke <laughs> that I'd ever heard. Because <laughs> I completely had forgotten that movie had come and gone, and I went and saw that in theaters, I think. No, wait, did I? No, wait, they released that straight to streaming, didn't they?
0: Yeah, that was that was. Oh, dang, thank dang God, streaming. I
1: did not see that in theaters. <laughs> I remember seeing it opening
0: weekend. I think I was home alone sick that day, and I just ended up watching it to see what it was, and my God. I, I definitely couldn't imagine risking COVID for Space Jam 2.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Brick your lungs for
2: yeah. rapping pigs.
0: Or your kids health like yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's it's meant exactly. to, i remember going to see the original space jam with my dad and that that was that was a good time but like i could not imagine dragging my kids to see that movie in theaters oh, yeah, okay, yeah
1: all right I've relooked at my stubs yes i saw that at home because the first movie i'd seen during the pandemic was i when i rented a theater to watch um the james bond movie no time left to die that Thanks. was that was worth it <laughs>
0: That's one of those movies like The Kingsman, where I'm like, that came out in like 2017, didn't it? Oh man, The Kingsman can that
2: count as a legacy? <laughs> if you <laughs> no, it's just a regular money grab
0: sequel. Yeah. <laughs> but they teased Hitler at the end. Come on, we got to We need a sequel for that uh, one. Oh boy, they're supposedly filming
1: the third <laughs> one of that one sometime this year.
0: They're actually they actually greenlit that. Oh no, you're talking about like the the ex yeah, movies, the exit yeah, part of the series. Yeah. Okay, well, hopefully that one's better. Yeah. Like, what the heck was Channing Tatum doing in that movie? There's no point to having him in that movie. And Pedro Pascal. <laughs> well, Pedro Pascal, I mean, he, he at least did something. Yeah, sure. But, yeah, so let's let's start winding down there because uh, it's getting late and we have to be gracious hosts and not keep Liam and Greg here too much longer. But I like them. Um, they've got, <laughs> <laughs> I like them too, which is why I listen to their <laughs> podcast, which Greg and Liam, feel free to plug that again, as well as your socials.
3: Yeah, for sure you can uh, you can find I have some notes at uh, I have some notes.com you can find us on Twitter uh, at I have some notes and on instagram at I have some notes pod um yeah come we come talk movies with us so we regularly let our listeners know what um, movies we'll be fixing next and uh, uh put out calls for your own fixes and we read those on air so yeah we love audience participation
0: so please do that Indeed. Yeah, and then feel free to share your uh, personal socials as well. Eh, my Twitter's
2: nothing. Yeah. Anyone needs to see. So look up. I have some notes.
0: Oh, <laughs> fine.
2: If you want yeah. to see a great is... complaint about Alberta <laughs> politics, follow yeah. us on social. <laughs>
0: Otherwise, I have some notes. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, the next movie you guys are going to be uh, working on is Old, mm-hmm. which um, I have not seen, but one of my favorite viral videos that I've seen is... Uh, there's a, a moment where there's a guy in the background and he moves so unnaturally that you cannot tell if he's a real actor or if they just CGI'd an actor into the background. And like, I, I don't know what scene it is because I haven't bothered with the movie. But that might be it, a
3: metaphor for the dialogue and acting in old as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you just
1: reminded me of the movie Dark Shadows, that really terrible Tim Burton Johnny Depp movie from like 10 years ago there is a scene where there's a warehouse on fire. And I remember watching the movie and they're of course they're panning the crowd and some people are talking and I tap my wife on the shoulder and I go, that's a cardboard cutout of firefighters. Cause they hadn't moved at all while spraying the hose. <laughs> 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 it was like a matte painting. Extras cost <laughs> money. I was like, I was like, is this intentional? <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs>
3: so bad
0: yeah it, it's really hard to tell with Tim Burton, especially modern Tim burton but let's let's start closing oh, out the show here at least Wednesday uh, was good, yeah, which he he was just a producer on for the most part. I think he directed the pilot four episodes anyway, you can follow me on twitter at josh underscore scar, which again, like kind of like liam and greg if you want to, want to just see me complain about politics, but sometimes interact with the I have some notes twitter uh, you can follow me there. You can follow the podcast at Talking Smack Pod, where Alex kind of controls that from our basement or from my basement. (laughs) And uh, I I will usually do the interacting with people. Alex will just share the news. Please join our Discord. Uh, We have a link in our link tree. Uh, Lots of fun conversations happening. We have a meme channel, all sorts of fun conversations with comics, movies, all the things we talk about, uh, other podcasts as well. Thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes and Beppo for our avatars as well as Retro Ale Studios for our Ricky avatar. Please subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Please follow Liam and Greg, or at least please follow I Have Some Notes because it is a wonderful podcast. I, I describe it as Cinema Sins, but with guys who are not complete assholes talking about these movies and <laughs> to do good things with the movies. So thank you everyone for listening and take care. Watch Star Trek.